Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Have you got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking? Can you admit, hand on your heart, that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the Ferris wheel? Do you want to get sober but don't know where to start? Or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time? In my private membership group, Thrive, you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm super excited. I'm talking to Julia from Tasmania. She is one of the members of my Thrive group, a key member, I should say, of my Thrive group. She's been there pretty much from the beginning and it's been so nice to watch her achieve the success that she's had so far today. And you are five and a half months sober, aren't you, Julia? So thank you for coming yes. on the show. Thank you for having me. I do apologise for the dog squeaking ball in the background. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I haven't heard it yet. So oh. <laughs> we're all fine. Um, awesome. So I know you pretty well, but obviously our listeners do not know you. So please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm 57. I was originally from Melbourne and moved to Tasmania for work and I'm a midwife um, which I adore. I was a late bloomer. I didn't find my calling until I graduated at 49. Originally I think I I was a mothercraft nurse and a a nanny Um, then I was goodness I've been a sales rep and a gemologist and all sorts of things but uh, you know when when any of those doors slammed another one opened and and I ended up falling into the career that I've got now which I absolutely adore so yeah just it's never too late to do anything. I love that so much because I um <clears throat> I read a book and it's not that well known actually and I don't know if you've heard of it but it's called The 100 Year Life and it's a really good book it talks about the different careers that we can have in our lives and that the traditional model is that you have a job you stay in that job forever and then you retire in your 60s and and that's it you you know you spend the rest of your life in retirement but this book was really eye-opening because it taught me that, well, actually, most people in today's world aren't set up financially to retire in their 60s because they might be living until they're in their 90s, hopefully. Um, and that actually one of the best things you can do is to adjust your approach to your career by having 
multiple careers. And so for me, once I read that book, I very much connected with the idea that, okay, so I'm doing this kind of stuff now, you know, I'm like you, I did sales and things like that in my sort of 20s and 30s, now in my 40s, and I'm getting more into this um, sober space and life coaching and things like that. But I am 100% up for retraining or, you know, doing degrees or qualifications in my 50s and hopefully in my 60s. And I very much feel like I'll be working well into my 70s. And I'm really comfortable with that. So I Mm. love this message that we've started this podcast off with that, yeah, I just think I think that's amazing that you that you went for something and you went for something quite full on there. I mean, training to be a midwife is not a walk in the park. Um, no, and no, you did that at forty nine. Graduated forty nine. I think that is <laughs> that sets the tone of what we're going to be like today. So that's exciting. yeah. So yeah, it's 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 never too late, and it's um, you know, if you're not happy in anything that you're doing, whether it's um, your career or your relationships, um, anything, you know, it, you can change things, you know, it's up to us. And and I guess that's the basis of sobriety as well. You know, you, um, I definitely wasn't happy and, and now I am. So, you know, we can change ourselves. We can, we can create what we want to be. Um, the the person that we want to be and it is down to us it's you know we can't rely on other people to do it we've got to go for yeah and I I think I think that that is probably a struggle for people to wrap their heads around Um, no judgment at all I think it Mm. we can get lost in our own heads quite a lot Um, and I love that I think I think I've heard before particularly about sobriety and drinking or being a more heavier drinker let's say um that actually it's not your fault that you ended up in that situation it's not your fault that you're one of the people that just can't take or leave a drink but it is your responsibility it is is your responsibility to change and I think that's kind of that that sums up really what what you're saying so let's go back then um so let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Describe what your life was like with alcohol and take us on that journey. Okay. So uh, it was quite confronting thinking about this actually, but um, look, like a lot of kids of, of my generation, you know, we had sips of the shandy out of the glasses of the parents, you know, when we were little around the table while they were having their parties. And, and then um, in my teens, I would sneak out for parties or, or um, you know, have some drinks at parties. I, I had a pretty strict upbringing. Um, my parents were brought up in um, very poor uh, in uh, Liverpool during the war, so um, and they were older than my friends' parents. So it was, it was pretty. It was pretty strict. My siblings would say that I had it easy because I was a lot younger than them, but um, but it was still fairly strict. Uh, so I didn't really go out that much, um, but I was very rebellious, um, possibly because of the being strict and seeing my friends going out. So when I did manage to get out, I, I was pretty naughty. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would drink and uh, we had a pretty good... Uh, public transport system, even though I lived a long way away from uh, uh, the town and and oh, you know, city of Melbourne and 
so yeah, we we I would just sneak out and do stuff. Uh, and then mum was working as well. So I was able to get away with a bit of stuff while she wasn't there as well. Um, in my early 20s, I was living with quite a quite a heavy drinker and he wasn't a very pleasant person. So uh, I really didn't drink much then. Um, he did all of that. And I'd, I'd, I'd have the occasional night, but I certainly wasn't, um, you know, a, a constant drinker. Um, but some of those nights were, were big party nights. But it was nothing out of the ordinary at all. Um, but I guess I became more of a weekend drinker in my mid-20s once we'd broken up. And I was, I was single and I'd finally got a group of friends around me. I didn't have friends really when I was with him. So, you know, I gathered some friends and we started going out. They're a bit younger than me and, and we would go into the clubs in Melbourne on a Friday night, you know, dressed up in our uniform, we would call it, and and we would, you know, party on all night. We'd go in by train and then catch the the morning train home, which was at 5am. And, you know, very lucky as young people that we had a town that was open all night. Um, but um, the taxi fare home, and this is back in the late 80s, early 90s, was about $50. So you know, we'd, we'd catch public transport if we could. Um, sometimes, yeah, if we went out on a Saturday night, the first train on Sunday morning wasn't until 8am. They were pretty Oh, yeah, they were they were difficult. But yeah, those mornings were pretty awful, and we'd spend the day in bed, obviously. But still, you know, everyone else was doing it, and it was no big problem. It was just what you did on the weekends as a young person. Um, sometimes I'd drive the car in there, and we'd leave it there. And God knows why we knew we weren't going to be driving home, so we'd leave it there. And and but then someone would have to drive me back in the morning, and you know, we'd both have hangovers. <laughs> be awful and probably have a parking ticket there as well um so although it was fairly normal for us there was a lot of really dangerous moments in in that time um a lot of really bad decisions regarding men um and uh, I think you know a lot of young young women went through or still go through uh but yeah really dangerous just wandering the streets at night really drunk and um yeah, just putting yourself in really dangerous, dangerous situations and, and with people that you had no idea who they were, um, you know, taking men home with you that you'd never met before. And and then they had your address, they had your phone number, you know. Um, it, yeah, it's pretty scary looking back on it, but we didn't think anything, didn't, didn't even give it a second thought back then. Um yeah, I went, yeah, sort of mid, mid twenties. I went to the States with uh, one of my friends uh, for eight weeks. And oh my goodness, we did some really stupid stuff there. Um, I remember one night um, just lying in the middle of the road and she was trying to drag me across the road because I was too pissed to walk. Um, and then everyone else in the campground was really angry with us because we were making noises and stuff but I mean lying in the middle of the road why would you do that um one night in San Francisco I got separated from her after going to a club um I wanted to go for a wee and I ducked into some bar really dodgy characters in there and we totally lost track of each other and 
And so I ended up walking across the city. I had no idea where I was going. I did not know the city at all. We'd been That was the first night we'd been there. And I couldn't remember the name of the hotel. Um, I was passing all sorts of, you know, all sorts of people in the streets that, um, you know, the only sort of people that are out in the middle of the night. Mm. And I was just really fortunate. A young guy on a bike stopped and said, are you okay? And and I said, well, I absolutely have no idea where I'm going. And he said, well, can you describe the hotel? And I said, it's on a hill. <laughs> the whole of San Francisco is on a hill. <laughs> They're all on a hill, aren't they? <laughs> And I, I must have described something about the hotel and managed to actually find it. I don't know how, but we found it. And my friend was already there. So meanwhile, she'd been in a car with men that we didn't know and she'd got home that way, uh, back to the hotel. So, yeah, it's it's scary as a, you know, as a an older person looking back at what young people do, mm. um, you know, whether they're drunk or not. But, you know, we, we feel that we're a bit immortal back then, I think. Yeah. Um, then later in later in my twenties, um, I guess yeah, my housemate. I was living in uh, with uh, with a girlfriend and had friends staying and that sort of thing. And um, we'd we'd go out just to the local clubs, uh, local pubs and things. We didn't really go out into the city anymore. And sometimes we'd go to a Sunday session at the local pub. Um, but that was always a bit risky because we had to work the next day. Yeah. And yeah, more than one time I would turn, I was a nanny then and, and more than one time I would turn up either a little bit pissed still, but mostly just really hung over. Uh, there was one time that I had to take the kids down to another nanny's house and she had to go look after them while I was just fetal in a beanbag. Um, just shaking, um, hoping that the day would be over. Um, and, you know, why I just kept doing it to myself, you know, we just, um, mm. but yeah, kept, kept on doing it. Yeah, all that. we just do though, don't we? We do. I mean, yep. that, uh, it makes me shudder a bit hearing that because I, I definitely yes. remember being flaky sometimes at work, not being able to, you know, sitting at my desk at 9am in the morning and just thinking, when can I get my McDonald's? actually even remembering it I know and just thinking when is this day gonna end like all you want is that day to end yes. isn't it you're just like please and want bedtime now but 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 gee the night before was fantastic yeah. you know? yes. <laughs> and, and and so we 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 grabbed onto that you know we grasped onto that whole oh we had such a good time and yeah. never kept those consequences um you know as as a reason to not do it again um so yeah that sort of carried on through my 30s and by the time I was 40 yeah I wasn't doing that sort of stuff any anymore the pubs or anything by that stage I was with you know we would drink at home or go to a winery or a restaurant or um yeah sometimes sometimes a local pub but uh, generally, yeah, it was more at home, and and I did quite a bit of drink driving during that time, and I am so not proud of that. And I I really count myself very very lucky. I was never caught, and I never hurt anyone. Um, but yeah, that actually really upsets me. What I did, I, I did that for years. Years I would do that, um, and yeah, that was just terrific. Um, but yeah, during that time, that was a really big party time. We had um, quite the party house there. 
And so we, and my housemate who didn't drink really, um, but loved going out to the pub and, and dancing, she, and she would always be a Deso driver. She, um, she loved hosting parties. So <clears throat> we would have lots of parties and she'd do all the decorating and stuff. And I would just, you know, get drunk. But I created around that time, I created my alter ego and her name was Paula my evil twin sister, Paula, and she became quite well known. Everyone knew of Paula and everything that was done while I was drunk was blamed on Paula. And we'd, we'd create all sorts of stories how, oh, Paula came over, she stole your clothes, she got your car, she did this, and and somehow um, it just all became Paula. And, yeah, it was, mm, it's that's one way of distancing yourself, I isn't see, it? That, that's really interesting because I've not really come across that before, mm. being honest. But I can see how there's such a deflection there. You know, if Paula comes to the party, it's Paula's fault. There's a real disassociation, yeah. isn't there, between you yeah. and Paula? And that can just, I, I would imagine that that would almost encourage that the bad choices and the bad behavior under the influence because you're kind of disconnecting yourself from it. It's oh, totally. quite clever um, of the brain, isn't it? The brain is pretty clever yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Well, there, there was one time that I was um, trying to not drink uh, later on and, and one of my friends said, but you can't do that. Well, Miss Paula. I was Terry, the party girl, the one that would be up on the tables at 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you know, that was my identity. Paula was was your identity. And, yeah, talking about tables, there was one night at a club that I was dancing on a podium and so drunk that I didn't know where the edge was and fell off. It was quite high up, actually, and the edge of the table, I, I felt that hit between my legs mm-hmm. and I ended up with bruises um, right through on my legs, right through to the back, that were two lines at the side of this table. And, you know, the damage I could have done, yeah. um, you know, the injuries and uh, the bruises I've had, just, yeah, just horrific. Um, but during the week drinking, that began uh, when I was uh, a sales rep and I be- began ger- drinking during the week Um uh, after I went out to dinner with my boss uh, with a new job and she was very elegant and sophisticated and I just thought she was pretty hot, you know, just a really awesome lady. And she ordered a glass of bubbles with, you know, before dinner. And I thought, well, that's very sophisticated. I'll have one too. And I'd grown up seeing my parents having a glass of wine every night at dinner, but it, it had never occurred to me to drink during the week. Because if I'm drinking, I'm drinking to get pissed. You know, yeah. we're we're you know we're going out having fun. So having that glass of wine during the week, why would you bother doing that? Mm. But yeah, I had this glass of wine. Well, that was that was the beginning of the end for me. Um, I loved it, and so while I was on the road as a sales rep, I would get the little piccolo um, bubbles or mini bar, um, and and so I was I started drinking every night of the week. Um, you know, one, maybe two glasses. But I was in a lot of little country towns. If they didn't have piccolos, which were a little bit too fancy for them, I would get a full bottle and I'd just say, well, that's okay. It'll last me a few days. But, of course, it never did. 
Mm. It, you know, it would last me two nights. And, you know, so at that time it was two to three drinks. Um, Two glasses, I was okay. But three, I would really feel the hangover. Um, And, and, you know, I laugh at that now, that I would feel a hangover with with only three glasses. Um, But, um, you know, it just, the the tolerance that your body builds is is really quite amazing. You know, Mm. I, I look back at a friend that I had, um, I was still really only sort of drinking maybe maybe three glasses a night, and if I was really drinking a lot, I might have a have a bottle. And she was having a bottle a night, like during the week. And I thought, wow, you've got a problem. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out she was just a little bit ahead of me. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Um. So uh, then. Oh. I'm sorry. I just want to jump in there. I think that I think that's so. It's really interesting that you say that because um, it's amazing how at one point just drinking every weekend, and then you move into a couple of glasses a night, and that feels like you're kind of you're drinking. Your drinking has increased, but you know it's not that bad that you've got that that you're having mm. a bottle. But then when you get to a bottle, it becomes, it's only a bottle. It's just a bottle. You know, I'm just having a bottle of wine. It's fine. I'm just stopping after a bottle. And that bottle becomes almost on the same level as the two glasses. It becomes acceptable. It becomes okay. Mm. And and I know for myself, I would like to go over a bottle if I could. But I would have, I, I had learned that a bottle of wine meant that I could function okay the next day. Didn't mean that I was hangover free, but it meant that maybe I was running at 80% and that was okay to me or 75%. That was okay to me. If I had a bottle and a half, then that would be, for me, that would become a bit of a problem. I would then be running at 60% the next day and I'd feel annoyed at myself. But but stopping at a bottle was like, tick, you've you've done all Mm. right, Terry. You've done well. When I look back at that now, isn't that just so bizarre that you would have a whole yes. bottle of wine and, and think that that's okay? And the overthinking involved, it's you just, know, that, that total overthinking of how much can yeah. I have? You know, that's the end of the bottle. That's it. That's all I can tolerate. I'm going to work tomorrow, so I have to stop now. Well, maybe if I have that one more glass. But I would have and, a bottle and a glass. Yeah. That would that yes. would be my sort yes. of, like, I couldn't not have one more glass of the next bottle. But I think... My point there is that how does a bottle of wine become the benchmark? Yeah. It's just scary how that mm-hmm. – and who who who's to say that if I hadn't stopped drinking, and I'm pretty sure you'll come on to this as well, but if I hadn't stopped drinking, who's to say that it wouldn't be a bottle and a half that was my benchmark or two bottles? And then before mm-hmm. I know it, I could have gone down – I could have gone down that route and been moving into the very dark grey, into the black of the sort of spectrum of, of drinking. But yeah, sorry, yeah. carry on. No, that's okay. Um, I actually often think about that girl. Um, our relationship didn't end well and it ended up ended a long time ago. And ironically, it was actually because of my drinking, not hers. So um I busted that relationship up. Um and yeah, because I'd I'd stuffed up some emails and yeah, anyway, that's a long story, but but yeah, it was because of my drinking. 
so then, yeah, so that's that's my 40s. Yeah, in my late 40s, I went off to study midwifery and I was back living with mum and renting my unit out because um, I couldn't afford to go to uni. My housemate had moved out. I couldn't afford the mortgage by myself and, and yeah, to go to uni, I needed to be at home. Um, so living with her um, and I, I would have pretty much at that stage almost a bottle of bubbles a night while I was doing assignments or by then social media was happening. Um, I wasn't into it really, but because of uni, we had to get onto Facebook to do our group assignments. So that put me in danger zone <laughs> so I would be drinking doing assignments and on Facebook and talking crap and basically making an ass of myself um I had a friend at uni who would message me on the phone and say step away from the computer Julia uh because oh God. It, yeah yeah when it got bad I, I'd be offending people um yeah, just embarrassing, cringing stuff and, yeah. But, yeah, she was always there to tell me to back away. Um, <laughs> How did that make you feel? Terrible, terrible because I really looked up to her. Uh, she was an, just so intelligent and so together, a uh, really professional woman and and she was so in control and my life was so out of control. Uh, always seemed to have been out of control and and it was you know being busted and and then the next day obviously looking back at what I'd written what I'd said to people um yeah I really offended a couple of people and why to make myself feel better to make myself feel big uh who knows but yeah it certainly wasn't um a lovely time in my history I think I, th- I think just jumping in there, I think that it's interesting with Facebook because I do feel a bit like the focus has moved away from Facebook in more mm-hmm. recent years and that there was a period of time where maybe Instagram wasn't quite as big as it is now and everybody was on Facebook and everybody yeah. was just talking about very mundane things on Facebook. You know, like maybe they were watching something on telly and they would comment about it. And it just seemed to be in that period of sort of noughties and I don't know what, what that, what do, you, what do you call this sort of like 2013, 14 and 15, that decade, I don't know what you call that decade, I tweets? Don't I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not down with the kids enough to know all this lingo, but I remember as well that I would post stupid stuff on Facebook, like I hardly ever go into Facebook now, to be honest. I go into Facebook maybe once a week just to see my friend's kids celebrate birthdays, but back yes, then yeah. when I was drinking, Facebook was a daily thing, and I was writing things when I was drinking and posting them on Facebook and then waking up the next morning and just being like, what on earth? Delete, delete, delete. Like, what am I saying? What am I doing? And feeling quite, Facebook was a bit like when you pick up your phone and you've drunk too much and you're like, shit, who did I message? Quick, scan the phone. But it was also go on Facebook. What have I said? It's just weird that that's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if that is as prevalent now as it was then. It was just a period of time, wasn't it, when you and I would have been in our drinking, where Facebook seemed to be just the social media of choice where it would catch you out because you would write that, you know, silly comments. And 
but at least we could delete it and yes. and and we, and we could see we could see who had seen it uh so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah but look somehow somehow I managed to get through the degree and passed um and uh, then to get the grad year, so we had to give it a, um, get a grad year to progress in our career. That was really difficult to do, and I ended up getting one interstate, so I had to move from Melbourne. And so the two of us came down here, and I hadn't really known this girl very well at uni, but because um, she was one of the smart ones, really smart ones. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, my drinking did step up a notch when I came down here. I had about three weeks uh, before I started my job and she came over and we connected with each other and uh, I found out that she was a bit of a drinker and uh, had not known her at all. So we became drinking buddies and um, and I also wasn't with, with mum anymore and she was really judgmental. So... Um, so I was kind of, I was really celebrating the new career. I was in a beautiful seaside town. Um, and yeah, I was just like on holiday and, and so, yeah, I really started drinking a lot. I went to the local bottle shop and they had my bubbles on special and I said, oh, <clears throat> I'll have, um, I have 10 thanks and, so they started going around picking up the bottles from the fridge and from the thing, and and I said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "Oh, I'm getting because yeah, it was on special, really good special." And she said, "I'm getting the ten, and I said, "No, ten boxes." And she just looked at me and I said, "Well, it's on special. I want ten boxes of six." <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah, and and I hadn't thought like they just looked at me as if I was something some kind of alien she yeah. said we don't stock, we don't stock that much here we'll have to get it in and I said okay that's fine I mean to be honest I was thinking there when you said the 10 bottles if I'm being really honest I was thinking god that's a yeah. lot that's a lot yeah, to buy no. in one in one hit you know that I mean yeah I mean yeah. I, I I think I think when I used to go every now and then I go to Sainsbury's which is a big supermarket here and I think I'll do the thing where you get the six bottles and you get 25% off and that felt like a lot but I would tell I would tell myself this will last me all month which was ridiculous because yeah. it would literally be gone in in 10 days it would just be gone but yeah I was quite surprised when when you said yes. 10 boxes so that was yeah yeah because I think I had um had the fear of running out yes um, I'm not in a really big place here and it was on special. So I thought, okay, well, I've got the money. I will get it all now. So the fear of it running out, but also on, on the other hand, knowing that the more I had, the more freely I would drink it. And so part of you wanted, wants to just get that one or two bottles at a time. But the other part of me really wanted to get all of it while it was on like half yeah. price um, yeah. <laughs> so that it was yeah. all there. And and there was no one there watching me except for the bottle of people. But um, they became really good friends over the years since I've been here. But uh, and now we laugh, um, you know, and they're really supportive of my sobriety now. Oh. But uh, yeah, so um, while I was working here, I managed to stay really well controlled. Uh, one or two glasses if I was working the next day and but on the weekends or days off what have you I would really let loose 
um, I even took up smoking again because this friend I'd come over with, um, she was a little secret smoker as well. We never knew. She was so quiet. Uh, I hadn't had a cigarette in 12 years Mm. and I started smoking again. So, yeah, that, yeah, stupid decision. But anyway, um, yeah, and look, blackouts happened um, occasionally over the years. A couple of hours here and there, you know, missing, um, you know, where where you'd have to catch up with friends. But way back, I didn't have mobile phones. Uh, you know, we had to ring people on the landline and and, and say, you know, what happened. Um, you know, how did we get home? Oh, who was that guy? And um, but um, yeah, then later on, uh, it was probably only when I was about thirty five that I had a phone, a mobile phone, and. And so, yeah, I was saved until then, uh, you know, looking mm. up the messages to see what I'd done, uh, to see if I'd text any exes or anything. But uh, oh, about um, two years after I got here, I met my partner, uh, so about six years ago, uh, when I bought a house here and he's a plumber builder and I had some issues with the house that I needed deal- dealing with. So that's how I met him. And he's a drinker, but he's really controlled. He's very regimented in everything that he does. And so he'll have a certain amount of beers and some of those will be low um, uh, low alcohol content and some will be a higher one. And then he'll have his wine at dinner and then he might have another beer. But, you know, he's, it's very controlled and he goes to bed at the same time every night. You know, everything very controlled. And he's net, like he, he's a little bit, little bit pissed but he's not he doesn't get out of control he's um yeah so unfortunately because I had no control I would cause a lot of fights and it was all me um we had some oh we had some terrible terrible fights I ruined outings I offended family members of his um his mother which was just devastating I still cringe over that um I'm just really lucky that he's such a tolerant man. He's he's a beautiful man and and um yeah, he he put up with it um and kept coming back and allowing or allowing me back in his life and and yeah, there were several times over the years that I'd try to give up drinking and you know, you'd you'd, you'd do the oh, I'll only drink on weekends or mm. I'll only drink this drink. You know, you've been there. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, if I stop drinking bubbles, then I'm less likely to get pissed so quickly. Um, yeah. You know, all, all, all of, of the that rules. Stuff. Yeah, and it's funny yeah. because when we're in that place as well, and I do think that we get to the very the rule making that comes before we leap into sobriety because it's Mm. a kind of last ditch desperate attempt to just keep the drinking try to control it I do not want to let this go I must be able to train myself to drink better and really we don't realize it but when we're in that phase of our drinking it is inevitable we either go fall off the cliff at that point or we leap into sobriety and it's just interesting isn't it this is obviously we're we're coming up now in your story to the part where you must be getting to where you stop drinking and it's just interesting that all those rules and things that kind of last ditch desperation it's (laughs) yeah it's kind of sad really though isn't it it's it, it is it is I'm I'm really sad uh 
about all of the time that I've wasted over the years. You know, I'm 57 and, and yes, it's never too late to do anything, but my God, I'd love to have got to that stage earlier. You know, some of the ladies on Thrive are, you know, in their 20s and 30s and I think, oh, yay for you. That is fantastic, you know, having that realisation and that and and coming to that decision so early in life, you know, your skin's still beautiful and, and you haven't wasted half your life, you know, I was I was at two or three bottles a night by then on my if I wasn't working the next day yeah. quite easily quite wow. easily so that's ramped up quite paid. a lot hasn't it that's mm. that's you know from going yeah. it's been really interesting so interesting to hear your story because obviously I, I know you pretty well um, mm. and and but I've never really got in, into this story this deeply and take you you you've done such a good job of taking us on that journey of. I didn't even drink in the week, you know, and I kind of hmm. didn't drink in the week. And then, you know, the next decade, it was kind of a couple of glasses at night. And that would be, and now it's like two or three bottles. I mean, wow, that that is when people say it is progressive. And actually, when people say that and you're still drinking, you do not believe that. You don't. You think, no, hmm. but it's not going to hit me. It's not going to happen to me. But that is remarkable that that in a in really a fairly short space of time I know you say it's half your life but whatever that amount of time is what is it a decade or 15 years 20 years you've gone from nothing to two or three bottles a night that's that's incredible yeah and still managing to go to work um I was probably oh some nights I'd 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 have a bottle um Mm. before going to work the next day but I tried to keep it to less than that um, because I was just so sluggish and non-productive and stuff. But, yeah, I, I did know that I had a problem at this stage. But, I, you know, I kept remembering that friend that I had judged in my head, thinking, wow, you've got a problem. And I kept remembering, thinking, my God, I never thought I would get to that one bottle a night. And now here I am, you know, yes. not much longer. That was probably less than 10 years later. Um Oh, less than that even. Um, but you know, even though I was in I was I knew I had a problem, I, I guess I was in denial and mm. and I didn't really want to stop because mm. I was having fun, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the thing, yeah, isn't it? it you of course you don't want to stop the thing is you probably did want to stop but your brain doesn't want to stop mm. you know your brain yeah, is so I thought, I thought having fun so hooked at it at that point that yeah you, you, you you've forgotten and this happens I think for for everybody that's got some some a good amount of drinking time under their belt you've forgotten what life is like without drinking you mm. don't have that reference point anymore so, yeah, I, I knew I had a problem. Um, I'd ruined relationships. I was fighting. I'd, I'd ruined a whole family holiday along the way there somewhere. Um, all of the fighting with people. Um, so, yeah, I knew I had a problem by the time I was 40, uh, I guess. Um, now, I've had depression all my adult life, um, but without knowing it for a long time. And even before my drinking, I had depression and wasn't medicated. And once I began medication in my mid thirties, it did it helped immediately. Within three days, I was walking around saying, "Oh my God, I love you! Oh, oh, oh is this what real life's all about? Oh, this is fantastic!" So it, it, I really did have depression prior to alcohol, um, but of course, 
the drinking made it worse, mm. particularly if I had a binge, um, I would have, you know, a, cu- a good couple of days of serious depression, really bad. Um, and and then later on, combining that with a, a mental health um, issues that, that I had due to a toxic culture that I had in part of the work I was doing in the last few years, um, it was within one group. Uh, and then the grief over the death of my dog. Um, I I was I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. I was either drunk, hungover, um, depressed. You know, it was it was really it was the jumping off the cliff thing. It was it was pretty horrible. I you know I took time off work for my mental health um, three years in a row, I think. Um, but that only let me drink more. You know, I, I just drank more and, you know, I was often on the phone just blubbering mess with someone. Um, it just made everything worse. Um, but finally I connected with a psychologist and so I went through the doctor, got a mental health assessment and connected with this psychologist and, thank goodness, I connected with her really well. Like she was mm-hmm. the perfect person for me. And she's a lovely English lady, actually. And she was a massive help in help um, getting me to break down a lot of the issues that I had around mum and around a lot of things growing up. Um, and I also, when she went overseas for a little bit, I replaced her with um, supposedly temporarily with a substance abuse counsellor. And so then I ended up seeing both of them and they were both using very similar tools, you know, mindfulness, cognitive behavioural therapy, that sort of thing. Um, so they were a really good help with building my toolkit. It didn't fix it, but it, they were a great help. Um, I couldn't even think about doing AA in the small community I was in because I could run into clients, clients' husbands, whatever's. Um, my blood results weren't looking great and I could see that everything was just starting to decline, but I, I, I couldn't kick it. So uh, last year I was off work for about 10 weeks um, because I developed psor- uh, psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis, um, probably due to the COVID vaccinations, and I couldn't hold a pen or garden or cook, couldn't do anything, and I had this psoriasis skin issue pretty much all over my body but mainly my hands and my feet and so I couldn't walk either because it was like walking on glass and so all I did was um drank from about three or four in the afternoon um and then up again and well up (laughs) vaguely um I'd just read all day and then start again the next day just drinking again and that didn't do um, the condition any good. Uh, it was it was just a, it was a really really very dark time in my life. Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. It's all right. Take a minute. Uh, Take a minute. It's all right. Yeah. Um. So I was um, I saw a rheumatologist and because of the medication that I had to take for the, the condition um, was bad for your liver. Um, 
Hey, um, I had to have a baseline um, testing for my liver and so I had to have a, a fib, what's called a fibre liver scan done and he wasn't a very nice man actually. I don't really like him. But he said, you know, with your drinking history and your blood results, um, I fully expect this to come back saying that you have cirrhosis. And I was terrified. I, I shit myself. I was so, so scared. Um, I didn't want to tell Greg. I didn't want to tell anyone because I would just worry. Um, you know, you can't come back from that. Yeah. And then um, the results came back and the results for one of those um comes in at a zero, one, two, or three, uh, no, zero to four. I think, yeah, zero to four, um, with four being, you know, really bad cirrhosis. And anyway, it came back as a zero, one, which meant that it was fatty liver disease. And I'd already done, you know, all the Googling, Dr. Google. And so I was Absolutely thrilled and relieved because fatty liver disease is reversible with two weeks off the booze. And so I thought, okay, I've really dodged a bullet here big time. Really, really dodged it. Um, I didn't think that 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 could happen, uh, you know, that cirrhosis could happen to someone like me. I thought it was only, you know, the drunks that in the street that um, that drink from morning till night that drink spirits, you know, I I honestly didn't think that it could happen to just like normal people like us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, and it could. Um, so, yeah, that, that was when I really knew that I had to do something, um, something, um, something popped up on social media and I'm, I'm not sure where it was, but, it was Annie Grace with um, the Naked Mind, um, the alcohol experiment, and you know I tried so many different things. Um, I, you know, I ended up in Greg's arms one day saying, "I'm miserable. Um, I'm so unhappy. I am absolutely miserable." You know, I'd gone back to work and then gone off sick again for two weeks, and I said, "There's just nothing to look forward to in life." nothing and I wasn't suicidal but I didn't want to be here anymore I I just didn't I didn't think there was anything in life that could bring me joy anymore Mm. and I guess that was my rock bottom yeah um so you know it wasn't waking up after a night on the booze it was was actually thinking that my life wasn't worth living Mm Um, you know, to think that your life's not worth living is that's just it's shit. Um, so anyway, I saw this alcohol experiment and I thought, well, it's free, it's online, I can do it from home, and it's 30 days of commitment. Um, and I thought, well, why not give it a go? And I like structure, I like methodical stuff. Um, so there's there's a couple of days of um, of pre pre course you know pre commitment um, videos and you know they're designed to give you some knowledge already, and so 
I I did those and I started journaling and true true Julia I I took notes and I had to keep pausing to write all the stuff down and I just had to have all the knowledge there because I knew I'd forget it and there was so much there that I really wanted to to remember and and to tell people and oh my god you know do you, do you realize this and and so every night I'd go to bed and I'd listen to the class and write all my notes and you know it's structured in a way where um, where you get the information and then you're uh, um, advised, you know, suggested to reflect, you know, and and how does that relate to your relationship with alcohol? And and so, you know, I've got this journal full of all of this um, amazing stuff to look back on now, um, which we've talked about before. Um, but, you know, I'm a health professional and yet so much of this knowledge just totally blew me away. I was amazed at what it does to the brain yeah you know I had I had no idea um of of, you know what I was doing to myself um and so during this time you know I knew I was coming up to the end of my 30 days and and I'd done it quite easily and I'd you know raving around the world to anyone who'd listen (laughs) just look at me (laughs) um yeah and uh and I thought, well, I need more. I need more. And 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 I was, I thought about going on her um her next course, but um but then I thought, oh, I was on Instagram and I thought I looked at all the sober accounts and followed all of them, and then I culled out quite a lot, and then I found you, <laughs> and and yours really was exactly what I needed. It was um it was a little bit of the sayings there, but it was also your person you know the 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 vibe there was right for me um and uh and so yeah I just I just stayed watching um you know and reading all of your posts and and soon after that you announced that you were going to start Thrive well I just jumped right in there (laughs) so and and honestly it's um it's the perfect place it is absolutely the perfect place it's um you know the it's it's got the knowledge, it's got the sobriety skills, and and that amazing community of like-minded people. Everyone on their different journeys, but with so many similar threads amongst mm-hmm. it. And I've made some really good connections there, and 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 I just I love it. And you know, and to add to all of that, you get to do the Zoom meetings every week, and. And, you know, really, you know, find out about everyone's journey and, you know, if it's not me hogging the Zoom like I did yesterday. But, <laughs> um, and, you know, finding out what everyone's about and and getting more tips and it's it's amazing. And so, yeah, that's that's how I got sober. And, and I, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, yeah. Oh, God. I'm a bit, choked, a bit choked up to be honest because um yeah I think that many people that get into trouble with drinking whatever that looks like can really relate and feel that darkness that you spoke about that obviously you know that that upset oh. you and I just I think one of the things that I think is so important in this process is, and it really links nicely actually to what we said at the beginning, but alcohol is super addictive. 
It is a drug. Okay. And I think yeah. one of the things that's very eye-opening when you do get sober is you start to understand and learn about how much it changes the brain chemistry and just how powerful it is as a substance. And yet we're not really given this information about all of these, about the true side effects and about the true damage that it does to everything inside our bodies and and in our mind. And I always think now that actually if I had understood the impact of alcohol in my life before I started drinking, I I do think that my relationship with alcohol might be different. And I know you can't live like that. You can't go back in time. But the point that I'm making is that we still do not do enough as a society to protect people from the dangers of alcohol. We've got better at it at smoking. Many more Mm. people um, are still addicted to smoking. I was addicted to smoking. But there's been more information out put out there so that you're able to make a balanced choice about whether you want to do it or not. But with alcohol, it's still very much glamorized, kind of pushed on us, drink, drink, drink. And then there's this tiny bit, you know, make sure you drink responsibly, which means nothing. Actually, it doesn't mean all it does is it makes you pushes the responsibility onto you so that you feel the shame when you cannot drink responsibly, which many, many people can't. And I think it's so important as someone listening to this podcast that might be in a place like you were, Julia, or in in Mm -hmm. just having a, a difficult time with their drinking that actually it isn't really your fault that you're in that situation. And you're not a bad person because you've gotten into a bad place that actually, of course, it is your responsibility to change that, but do not put that extra shame on yourself. Try not to put that extra shame on top of yourself. A little bit like one of the things that you mentioned when you talked about the guy, the doctor who told you about your situation with your liver and that really, that triggered you, that really upset you talking yeah. about that. And I wonder whether what I got from it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, what I got from it is that actually the way that he approached that was just pushing you for more shame on you in that, well, actually someone like you's probably got a really bad result coming, you know, and, and that's actually your fault sort of thing. And that might have been the thing that was upsetting for you is that, you already know you're in a difficult situation at that point, right? You're trying to get help. Mm-hmm. The way that you're treated in that extremely vulnerable state of mind, you need to be treated with more respect, really, mm. and with more compassion because yeah. you've got in a situation that is easy for anyone to get into. Like you say, nobody uh, is exempt from this, really. Like it can hit anyone. It's not just for the people that are drinking from a brown paper bag on a bench. It can be Mm. anyone. And you are a human being and you are trying to go in and get help. And so I just, I sometimes feel like the people that we can encounter in that situation, I do feel like there's just still way too much judgment in those situations. There's too much stigma, too much judgment. And unfortunately, whilst I think healthcare 
practitioners and doctors and things like that they obviously do an amazing job at the end of the day i do feel like they are underinformed on things like trauma and, and addiction and we still view, view people that have issues with alcohol as as well it's their fault and they've just sort of got themselves into that state and and we look down on that and we just shouldn't like at the end of the day like we need to change that narrative alcohol is a drug it just so happens to be legal it wouldn't be legal if it was coming out now onto the market it just wouldn't no. and i'm not saying that we should you know like I, i'm it's it's not that i'm saying that we should um we should we should make it illegal to drink but i'm just saying it we need to see it for what it is okay it's exactly. very we're, we're not given informed consent yes so we think and we're led to believe that it's um that it's an okay thing because it's legal and yeah. that it's um and that it's okay to drink it as long as you drink it responsibly but you know children are now taught in in primary school about the dangers of smoking you know, they, they're coming home to their parents saying, well, you shouldn't smoke, mum or dad, you know. So they're being taught about the dangers of smoking. Yeah. Where is the teaching about alcohol? All it is is they might hear that, oh, you shouldn't drink and drive, mm. you know, and that's probably the end of it. I would love to see more um, marketing, advertising, um, labels, that sort of thing that, that actually do tell some of the truths. Mm. And I think probably in the next 10 years we will. Mm. But you know, it's um, it is sad that 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 we don't have that information out there. You know, all of the stuff that I've learned just in the last yeah five and a half months has yeah, it's been life changing. Yeah, and just talking about that, some of the things. Obviously, you did the um, alcohol experiment, which is uh, Annie Grace's This Naked Mind, and you joined Thrive. We are so grateful to have you. Uh, in Thrive, you. you're absolutely brilliant, and yeah, always such a big supporter from the sidelines. It's yeah, you people like you make Thrive. You know, it, it really oh, it couldn't it, yeah, it couldn't it couldn't be too kind. No, no, you're 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 brilliant. You're so supportive, and you lift everybody up. And it's just yeah, it's a wonderful space. I feel so very proud of it. Um, um, yes. But what have you? What else have you done in terms of? Have you had any? Uh, yeah, you've been journaling, haven't you? Something I am very oh, yes. pro. Yes, every day. Yeah, every day I write a little bit. Sometimes it's just busy day, ate too much. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and other days I will reflect a lot more. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it's uh, but but I try to write at least one sentence a day. Yes. And. Yeah, and and so I've always been a very on-off journaler, but but since um, since I started with the Annie Grace thing, I've just continued that now, and and I'm on to my second journal, which I'm really wow. happy about. Um, and and I don't think it'll be long before I'm on to my third, but I do that, and I'm just starting to get into podcasts because I'm learning how to download them so that I don't waste all my data when I'm away from home because I'm I'm a technophobe. And and I finally got some earbuds, so I don't have the little wires hanging down now. So I'm, I'm learning all of that. Uh, and I've read uh, Catherine Gray's book, um, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. I read that actually while I was sober curious. Um, and I am reading um, Alan Carr, 
um, in between my novels Mm -hmm. and I've also bought Atomic Habits. So I will be taking those away on holiday as well as a novel. Uh, Yeah, so I I do a bit of reading, uh, but for me it's more connecting on Thrive um, that that keeps me going and, you know, the – because I listen to the Zoom meeting, well, I'm at the Zoom meetings in the mornings, it it uh, creates a really wonderful day um, where I'm really pumped and, and, you know, thinking about how everyone's journeys are and, um, yeah, it's, um, it is it, it is a really good thing. But, yeah, it's just it's been euphoric. It really has. The You know, that first 100 days, I just feel like I've won a battle you know, that has been going on for so long. You know, I haven't I haven't got that fighting in my head anymore. And um, you know, I've done so many so many bad things that have happened over the years. And I'm not complacent. You know, I I can still become vulnerable, but you know, with all of that knowledge and everything in my evidence cup, I am I'm armed now and and I'm uh, I've got a determination now that I never had before. I've got this strength that I never thought I would ever see in myself. Wow. Um, and, and, and confidence that, that's growing. Um, and I love where I am now. I really love it. You know, I, I, um, I actually like myself now. I like my life. Um, I'm so much more productive. I'm not lying in bed. You know, I, I created a, I fixed a whole garden bed on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normally that would take me months. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so much that, I, that I can, that I'm getting done now. So, you know, in this first hundred days, there's been so much rebuilding of, of a person, uh, mm-hmm. learning strategies that I just never, um, I never learned before. Yeah. We talk I, about this, don't we, in Thrive, about yeah. how we, come out of drinking and we quickly realize that we actually don't have very many coping strategies and had none yeah zero (laughs) or or zero yeah yeah absolutely zero um I would be the absolute stress head that would lose her shit and I obviously did as we know last week um but that was the first really stressful day I'd had I saw um, that doctor today that, that, you know, people listening to this podcast are not going to know, but um, but I did have a stressful day where I lost my shit a little bit in front of a consultant and um, anyway, I saw him again today and he said, how are you? And I said, I'm a lot better this week, thank you. I'm very sorry about that last week. Um, well, and, yeah, and, and he smiled and laughed, so that was good. Yeah. Um, but um yeah there's there's a lot of growth to do and every day might hit you with a slightly different thing like being overtired mm-hmm. you know that that's just a different thing to cope with and and now um my depression is well it's been non-existent you know i'm i'm going to continue on with my happy pills because clearly you know there is a um an issue there with with whatever levels of serotonin you know um, is happening there because that happened before the alcohol but it would be nice down the track to see if I could reduce the dose um, it's not a big dose of happy pills but um, it would be nice to try that down the track I'm not in any hurry but mm. um, yeah I'm I haven't had any depressive episodes I've just you know had da- little days where I've just thought I'm a bit down today and, you know, and now I can ask myself why, 
you know, yeah. why am I feeling a bit down? Okay, well, do this, you know, do this. And, and I can I can really work on myself so much better. Everything is can be dealt with so much easier, sober. Yes. Um, and even my relationship with mum, you know, that's no different, but I'm not snappy at her anymore anymore I'm I can I can cope with with being around her for longer Mm. you know family issues always stressed me out I think yeah the hardest part um being sober was having to deal with the family matters but in learning uh all of these new tools I'm I am becoming so much better at that you know mum's a very judgmental woman and now with the memory loss and everything um, you know, sometimes she can be a little bit more so, but she's always been very judgmental about me and my siblings with, you know, um, too much weight or the drinking or bad decisions or so forth. And, yeah, she wouldn't hold back. Mm. Um, so we always felt, I think, a little bit, you know, judged, um, you know, maybe not good enough. Um, so, but, I'm, you know, I can deal with that now. I'm stronger. I'm, yeah. I'm a new person. I'm, yeah, I'm, I've actually got... Yeah, I've I've got a lot, lot of work to do still, but mm. um, but I'm actually enjoying the process. Yeah, you know? that's amazing. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. There's an enthusiasm there, isn't there? Yes. And that's that's yeah. that's what it is all about, isn't it? We do quite a lot of this in Thrive, talking about the practice, daily practice, and that nothing is about perfection, and everything is about practicing. Even when you don't have the coping tools in the beginning. And life kind of hits you with a curveball as it does because life is life. And it's yeah. about removing the expectation that your life will be perfect now that you don't drink. Like life is still life. It's still going to be great sometimes and shit other times. And mm. it's about trying different strategies. Sometimes that might mean just sitting and then having a cry. Sometimes it might be taking a deep breath. Sometimes it might be walking away. Sometimes it might be journaling and trying to work out what your communication needs to be to approach that situation next time it takes practice and I don't think I don't believe you ever get to the the perfect scenario I just think you just (laughs) you just get a little bit better at coping Hmm. with things and depending on things like hormones or other things that are going on in your life or like you say, maybe mental health challenges. One day can be different from the next or one challenge can be slightly different next time. And it's just, I think it's just being able to have that period of self-reflection and kind of self-regulation that you Mm -hmm. actually, it doesn't all need to go to, to, to shit. You can get through these things and Every time I think you do do that, it is just a little bit more of a kind of like, ah, it's it's a feeling of I can I can actually do this and I and yeah. I can be happy. And yeah, I think I think even I mean, we've you've been in the group for a few months since the beginning and there's been such a big period of growth for you. It's lovely because obviously you can see it in yourself, but but for someone on the outside, you I can really see it. And I can see oh. that with you and with others in the group. And it is so lovely. You know, it's just it's just so lovely that you can see that. And you're doing a lot of that, right? You're the one that's showing up. You're the one that's going online and being active in Thrive. You're journaling. You're reading the books. 
you're coming to the meetings and being vulnerable and sharing and sometimes having a cry and sometimes being so you know that is all you like you are doing it for yourself and that is such a wonderful gift and it's almost like yeah. you're taking the alcohol away and that's sort of over there now like that doesn't even come up so much for you apart from when you yeah. feel stressed you say oh I feel like I have a craving but actually what you're really translating that is you're just feeling really stressed yes, <laughs> in, that, exactly. in that moment yeah. Um, yeah. and I can I can see that very easily now yeah yeah but, so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not scared of the big bad cravings anymore because you know I just I just stomp on them, give them a kick up the ass, and yeah, and off they go. Um, yeah, I I just have to, you know, sit with that discomfort. Yeah, and, and say okay, that's really uncomfortable, but yeah. it'll pass in a minute. Mm. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I don't hate myself anymore. Mm. Um, and. You know, I think the biggest gain with sobriety is is happiness, my happiness. Um, I'm I'm actually so proud of myself that I stand taller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, you, know, just, you know, and yeah. and I have such great support around me, you know, apart from the wonderful community that you created. I have, you know, my colleagues are fantastic. My partner is amazing. He's so proud and you know, happy to brag about it to whoever, oh. anyone who's listening, you know, and, oh. oh, no, no, she's not drinking anymore. No, no. <laughs> you know, oh, how long has it been, Julie? You know, um, and it's rubbed off on him. He's he's drinking a lot less um, um, alcohol. He's having um, alcohol-free beers a lot more and and mm. enjoying that. He's, I would say he's sober curious. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's rubbing off there. Um, our relationship is amazing now. It really is. It's it's wow. fantastic. So I was a bit scared at first because a lot of what we did was around alcohol, um, mm. but it's just great. Yeah, it's fantastic, and and I'm just so excited to spend two weeks away with him um, for the first time. You know, sober and 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 enjoy all of the things that that he likes doing, you know, long walks and, and stuff. So hopefully I can try and keep up with him. Um, but, yeah, having, having you know, my good health and I've got a bug here. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and yeah, and and obviously the, the great news is that my liver function tests are now normal. And Amazing. It only took four months to get there. Um, so, you know, I keep I keep bragging to the doctor. I said, you know, this is how long I've, I've been off the booze. And, and, and he's like... Oh yes, <laughs> is that the same doctor? Is it? No, that's different? that's a different one. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be seeing the rheumatologist uh, late February, so that would be interesting. He knew that I was doing. I think when I saw him last, I'd only done oh, a few weeks. Um, but yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I've, I've 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 actually I've actually got a future now. Mm. You know, mm. I didn't have that before. Yeah. So, you know, and it's a future that's worthwhile, you know. So having said it's not too late to do anything, I'm now thinking, what else can I do? Love it. You know, it's yeah. it's like, oh, my God, you know, there's there's so much out there I could do. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm really excited about sobriety. I'm just, I'm just loving all the time I've got, and and at first I was a bit bummed because I'd want to go to bed so early, and oh, well, I won't get as much done. But that's just my life now. I go to bed early. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just honestly, 
lights up my heart I just see like I just I, I find it blows my mind to be honest that in under six months someone could just transform I know it's so it much yes yeah, unbelievable decades of drinking yeah but you know the, the ducks all lined up yeah you know I, I got the big scare um I found a program that worked for me mm-hmm. um and then I found the community that that I can you know go on with that mm-hmm. that helps support that um it just all worked all at once and and now I have a life instead of looking down the road at possibly losing my job my house my relationships you know that the thought just makes me shut up um but everything got saved you know so um, and I think what's so nice about this as well is that you as a person you are so open to the possibility you know you have such a good such a strong mindset around that and the more open you are the more opens up for you I do believe Mm. that and I do think that that is yeah one of the things I think people to really benefit from entering sobriety or being in early sobriety is that openness just having that very expansive open mind to what is possible and technically this would be called growth mindset because you know fixed mindset is that I can't do this or this is not possible I can't get past three weeks you know this is all very fixed mindset but growth mindset is exactly what you're displaying it's it's I can do this it is possible what else is possible now that I'm doing this you know anything is possible and I think having just that openness in our mind it just opens the door to all of this because it's all out there all the stuff is out there all the tools the stuff is out there for the taking there are tons of books tons of podcasts so many different kinds of courses and groups and just all sorts of different things and I just think that if you really want it it's all there waiting to be to be taken you know and it's And, and now I've got the time to do it yeah yeah that's it that's that's the thing isn't it getting sober just delivers the gift of time I couldn't believe how much time I got back in my life when I stopped drinking I I almost felt I remembered feeling almost not kind of bored but a bit fidgety at first like well what do I do with all this time like what do I do with it all uh, now I feel like I don't have enough time again because I fill it so much with podcasts and reading and nice things and work and thrive and blah, blah. But, you know, that's a good thing. That is, that's a good problem to have. I, I need to now probably practice relaxing a little bit more. myself <laughs> 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 in a situation where I'm doing too much, but never mind. Um, Julia, I, I literally could talk to you all day. I love talking to you. I love it. And uh, I feel slightly sad that I'm, I'm going to have to draw things to a close. But um, what would you say would be your top three tips to somebody that okay. wants to get um, Number one, knowledge and awareness. So it covers quite a big amount of um, stuff, but uh, it's an ongoing thing. So you need to understand alcohol, what it does to the body and the brain, you need to be aware and honest about your relationship with alcohol. 
um, and what your triggers are, what the strategies, um, what strategies can work for wobbly moments for you and, and, and journal everything. Just write it down however you want to do it. Reading, listening, show up to the meetings, um, connect with people. Um, so all of it is, is just about obtaining that knowledge and being self-aware. So that would be my first tip. Um, the second is to know your whys and, and and what's. So keep them close. You can write them down, have them on the kitchen, um, fr- on, on the fridge, um, have them in your phone, journal them, or, you know, just have them in your head. But keep going back to them, even when you're not wobbly. Go back to them and say, this was why I, w- oh, my God, I've achieved that. You know, that's fantastic. Mm. Or if you are wobbling, go back to them and remind yourself why. What is it that you're going to get out of drinking? What is it you're going to get out of not drinking? Um, So, you know, keep those in mind. And the third one is something I harp on about a lot, um, healthy snacks. So, you know, hunger, the the halt thing. Hunger is probably, well, it's definitely my main trigger, but it's the main trigger of lots of people um, is when you've got an empty stomach, Mm. um, the craving can hit you really quite badly. And so having the snacks handy. Um, At first, I think we all, you know, have some of the bad treats and things, but, you know, give yourself some grace. That's fine. But but when when you're wanting to be a bit more nutritious, have the fruit there, um, protein is an amazing thing to stabilize cravings. So uh, almonds um, are really good, good snack that you can have anywhere, um, can carry them around with you. So, um, yeah, so I always try and have um, fruit left from my lunch that I can snack on in the on in the car on the way home so that I'm not hungry when I get home and I don't have to sit with the discomfort of the craving. Mm. Yeah. So I just I stop it even from happening just by snacking on fruit. You know, it's it's my day. That's my time of the day to eat my fruit. That's great. That's that's preventative, though, isn't it? That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. for anybody that's thinking, what does that mean? That world, that word. Sorry, halt. Um, oh. Halt is um, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And these particular areas have been identified as being trigger trigger points especially in earlier sobriety but if you're feeling like you want to crave a drink try and remember halt think about are you hungry do you need to eat are you angry do you need to do something to help you with your anger are you feeling lonely can you reach out to somebody can you call a friend connect with your community and are you tired do you just need to go to bed (laughs) I did a lot of that in the beginning I just went to bed (laughs) yes yeah exhausting what a turnaround um yeah feel privileged to know you thank you thank you for being a huge part in that and and you know it's I just keep telling people about this amazing uh UK-based community that I'm with and and yeah they're just they're just they're just stoked about you know what what is achieved within this group you know that that we've got so many people from around the world and um and and the connections that can be made and and how good it makes people feel um but I I love Thrive absolutely love it Um, yeah me too me too I love it too (laughs) be be proud be proud Terry be very very proud 
Oh, thank you. I am. I'm really proud. And I think when I listened to your story today, I did have a little bit of an emotional moment because to be able to have an impact on someone's life in such a positive way, I I feel so privileged and I feel so grateful to be here doing this. And yeah, it it just chokes me up a little bit, really, because it, it, it really... You know, from my side, I obviously see a lot and I get a lot of, you know, get a lot of lovely messages. People write things saying, you know, thanks to your page, you know, I'm I'm sober six weeks or whatever. But to actually hear somebody's story and to hear how much somebody loves something you created, it's a very special feeling. You know, it's a special yeah. feeling for me. And so um, I feel very passionate. Because that, that, that creation... Um, that you made that would have been very vulnerable yeah um, you, it was. you would have been really vulnerable starting it's, all of that you know if something <laughs> yes. it was it was it was scary but I, I did I felt passionately that I could create something and offer extra support for people that would really value it and I'm delighted that the people in the group are all those sorts of people you know they want to be there they want to help each other it's it's a special community. It's a special well, community. I'm, I'm really grateful that you put yourself out there to do this. Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate your honesty so much and I appreciate your vulnerability. Thank yeah. you for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. And um, have a wonderful holiday. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I shall personally see you next week on the group call. I'll, I'll, I'll be posting photos. Yeah, love it. I want to see that. I want to see you on your walks and things. Um, So thank you so much for your time and thank you to everybody else for joining us. All the best. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.